Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and around the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is the Michael Duke Show, hump day edition of the show. Wednesday, you are y'all you ready? Are you ready? Already? Again, I'm advocating for a four-day work week every week. It's perfect. It's perfect. What more can a guy ask for? Um, all right. Well, good morning and welcome to it. Uh, we are... Uh, uh, of course, Wednesdays are our day to sit down and chat with our friend, Senator Mike Schauer. State Senator Mike Schauer is going to be joining us here in uh, just a little bit for the Shower Hour of Power. And we will discuss the continuing exile of three of our senators from the, major- from the body of the group. And uh, it should be a... Uh, it should be should be an interesting discussion, man. I tell you what, there's some stuff going on down there in Juneau. Nobody knows exactly what to do. We're going to talk about that this morning as well, uh, because apparently I wasn't the only one that noticed the uh, the odd questioning by uh, State uh, uh, Representative David Eastman uh, yesterday. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, big earthquake off the coast of Kodiak, and uh, Senator Stevens is out there. Um, well, let's just—I will—we'll—we'll we'll continue to. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this morning, um, but we're also going to open up the phone lines here in hour one as well. And let's just—I um, mean, let's just have some conversations, you and I. Uh, you and me and possibly you. Let's sit sit down and uh, just talk about some of the things that are going on uh, around the state of Alaska or things that you're concerned about. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. So uh, let's get that ball rolling here and we'll get the phone lines turned on here. And you, too, can participate in the program for today. Uh, let's start off uh, by just throwing the phone number out there, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. And, of course, this hour of the program is being sponsored by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com, and they can keep you connected wherever you are in uh, in the state of Alaska. Um, and, uh, doesn't matter if you're all the way up on the North slope or you're all the way down near the end of the Aleutian islands, uh, in Adak or Dutch Harbor or Cimarronoff Harbor or Amelia Island, or all the way down into the Ketchikan area. It doesn't matter where you are. They can get you squared away, um, with, uh, the technology to send emails, to get text messages, to, uh, surf the internet, to make phone calls. It's all available over at Satellite West. 
Com. And we want to spay, uh, say, we want to spay, we want to spay them and neuter them because that's kind to do to pets. We want to say thank you to them for sponsoring the, uh, the program uh, here uh, this morning and every morning here on the big radio show. So special thanks to Satellite West for being part of the program today. Okay. <clears throat> so phone lines are open. We're ready to go. And we, uh, we got stuff to talk about if you would like to, or if you just want to bring anything else up. Um, the school bus strike continues out in the Mat Sioux. Um, and it's got, I mean, some parents are up in arms about it. I just happened to be uh, surfing uh, Facebook uh, yesterday. I was looking for something, and I came across another uh, commentary or article, and people are starting to get uh, really agitated about it. Now, what's interesting, though, is that it's an even split. People are mad at the um, <clears throat> at the school district for not doing something at this point. Um, they're also upset that, uh, the bus drivers, uh, now they're not, I don't think, I didn't see a lot of outrage at the drivers themselves. What I saw in the commentary was I saw outrage at one, the school district for not doing something about this. Now that there's, it's actually happening, like get in there and do something, be an arbitrator, you know, get something, get another bus, do something. But I saw a lot of um, outrage and I think a lot of continuing angst being directed at Durham themselves. Durham is the uh, is the bus company that uh, has the contract with the school district. And all I could say at this point is, is that I can't imagine what it is like um, with uh, with everything going on. I can't imagine what it is like. Uh, for these parents to have to try and figure out how they're going to get their kids to school every morning. Now, we talked yesterday a lot about the idea of, uh, you know, maybe parents should uh, maybe parents should have a discussion about whether or not, uh, you know, both parents working is a good idea and everything else. But setting that aside for a minute and looking at it in total, <clears throat> these parents have built their whole lives around sending their kids to school and having all these things. And their I mean, their lives are in a groove. It was already disrupted with COVID and all that kind of stuff. And now here we are back into the groove again, supposedly. And to have this whole thing thrown off is just, <clears throat> I guess I would just say it speaks to me of a continued mismanagement by the school district, the school board, whoever, because th these are problems that have been rumbling around for a while since, since the very beginning of this contract, there have been challenges and there have been people who have been squawking about this from the very beginning. And the school district appears to not have taken, well, really not have taken much notice of all of this ahead of time. And so it comes back to, you know, whether you agree or disagree or whatever with any of the policies that we've been talking about outside of the actual bus thing. I mean, this company is being paid millions of dollars a year to haul students. Um, and I mean, this is a, what is it, a $200 million 10-year contract. So they're getting paid, uh, they're getting paid, uh, uh, 
no, not 200 million. That's too high. It's millions of dollars a year over the course of a 10 year period. Um, and so you, you start asking questions like, well, th- this is obviously, and, and like I said, it's not been trouble free from the very beginning. So why isn't the school district doing something more? Why aren't they talking now more about fines? Why aren't they talking more about breach of contract? Why aren't they doing all this? Now, they are doing things like talking about giving, uh, I guess, gas cards to <laughs> gas cards to parents to offset the fact that the parents have got to do all their own running around now. I mean, my question is, what about the loss of time and, and, and effort and all this stuff? And, you know, these people are all, are all property taxpayers, right? I mean, either even if they're renting, you're you're paying your, your taxes through your rent. So, I mean, these people are all paying for their education through the rental or through the, through the property taxes. Why isn't there a little bit more, you know, loquaciousness from the – no, that's not the right word. Um, why aren't the <laughs> – why aren't they moving – you know, why aren't they moving with a little more alacrity here? I don't know. I mean, again, I'm just reminded again why it's uh, why I feel real good about uh, the decision early on in my marriage to, you know, uh, to homeschool our own kids. Uh, I think that that was a, you know, I think that was a, a, a good choice on my part. And this just commits this just reinforces that over and over and over again. So. It, uh, it, I don't know. This is one of the things that just keeps catches my attention. And I had to mention it because again, yesterday it was actually up on social media trending on my stuff. And I was just like, I expected it to be mostly against, uh, I expected to see a little more vehemence directed at the bus drivers. Although I don't really think it's the drivers per se. Um, I think that there's definitely some issues going on here, but somebody, somebody needs to step in. I mean, somebody needs to just step in and be like, hey, how do we fix this? Somebody has to be the cool head, the prevailing, the adult in the room, so to speak. So <clears throat> it's uh, it's going to it's going to be crazy. Um, and I don't know why this didn't get this hasn't been figured out early on in the thing. And it wasn't like it wasn't like they hadn't threatened to strike. I mean, we heard about the threat of a strike something like two weeks or almost three weeks before it actually happened. I mean, there were stories going around and we I mean, we actually here on the program, we actually mentioned that in passing one morning that it looked like that there was potential that there was going to be a a strike about it. And then it was kind of crickets up until the day that they decided to take the kids to school and then not come back and get them. (laughs) I mean. Uh, it's a, it's a $200 million a year, a $200 million contract for Melody in the chat room saying 20 years, but I think it's a 10 year contract. So it's, it's 10 or $20 million a year that these folks are getting to bust the kids. And we're going on week. What is this? Three and a half now, three and a half. Of not being able to uh, haul the kids to school, <clears throat> and mom and dad, I got to figure out how to get it all squared away and get it done. And the school district is just doing nothing. The the nothing. Very interesting. Uh, anyway, it's uh, 
it it's uh it's interesting to watch all this stuff unfold but again i am just grateful that i we decided a long time ago to uh um I decided a long time ago that we needed to homeschool our kids. This is just another proof positive that that makes a lot more sense. Um, we got some more stories, including uh, the latest. The attorney general for the state of Alaska, C- C- Treg Taylor, has joined a lawsuit against the Department of Justice that we're going to talk about. Um, and uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, and Senate President uh, Gary Stevens uh, spoke yesterday at the press conference uh, about the shortage of teachers. And, uh, I mean, of course, Gary Stevens has been a professor at the University of Alaska for 25 years now, and so he's got a little bit of a conflict of interest there. But we'll talk about that as well. Plus, we'll take your phone calls at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you'd like to come on board, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Feel free to give us a shout, and we can talk about the school. If you want to talk about the school buses, we can talk about that. You want to talk about education. You want to talk about uh, well, pretty much anything. We're here to we're here to kind of just chew the fat this morning on the way on the way through to the shower hour of power in hour two the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good morning, all. I saw my dad in the chat room early on this morning. Hey, Dad. How's it going? Everybody say hi to my dad. Um, And I'm sure my mom is also listening as well because they're joined at the hip. So I'm sure that they're also. Everybody say hi to mom and dad for me today. All right, there you go. Um, <clears throat> Ten years. February 1st, the bus driver's been striking since, uh, so, so this makes week four, says Melody. Well, I said three and a half, but you're right. I mean, this is the essentially the fourth week, uh, the fourth week. Um, friends at Big Lake, uh, Willie says, friends at Big Lake are looking into homeschooling. They're pissed at the drivers that didn't figure it out last summer. Well, it's, I don't know it's not the drivers necessarily. From what I'm understanding and from the best information that I've been getting is that the drivers have been complaining about a lot of these things for a long time. And the only reason that they eventually struck is because nobody was doing anything about any of the things that they've been complaining about. So, I mean, when you, when you have to, when you have to buy your own cleaning supplies to buy, to clean out your own bus, that, uh, when I heard that, I was like, well, that just doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right or sensible. Right. I mean, when you're hired to, and you're required to clean the bus, but they don't want to get you any cleaning supplies to clean the bus. That just seems a little unreasonable, right? I mean, I'm just, come on. Come on. That doesn't make any sense. Um, anyway, 
I, I, I don't think it's the – and like I said, I was shocked to see that more people were not mad – whoops uh, – were not mad at the unions. That's uh, – that's, you know, that – not excuse me, not mad at the drivers. They were mad uh, – they were placing blame where I think blame needs to be placed. They were placing blame with the school district for basically sitting back and not doing, uh, you know, basically not – just sitting back and not doing anything. And they were mad at Durham as more of the kind of the details and some of the shenanigans comes to light. They were like, um, oof, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's a little shocking in this day and age that we got people paying property taxes for all this stuff that's supposed to include school transportation and nothing could get figured out. Willie says, then they should have found a new job before the school year started. Well, I mean, Willie, I think there's a blame that can be going around a plenty here, don't you? I mean, do you not think that the school district or Durham has anything that they need to uh, take responsibility for? Right? I mean, is it, you know, is it me? The M- Matsu uh, Matsuboro... Uh, district school d- district is doing nothing. Nobody is doing anything. <laughs> Melody's mad about this. I can tell you. I can tell you right there. Um, that's how good the Teamsters are. New company, no union, good pay. It's up to the taxpayers. Um, and Terry makes it. This is a comment here that I've heard several people make. The school district didn't do their due diligence when they hired Durham. Apparently, Durham is a known, I don't know if I should say bad actor, but they're known to have issues, issues. And uh, I don't know how First Student, which was the company that had the previous contract, they supplied a RFP or a request for proposal or a bid that apparently was not eligible because if something was, I mean, First Student has been doing this stuff for years. You're telling me that. Just arbitrarily out of the blue, they submitted a bid that was deficient. I mean, they've had the contract for 10, 15 years, 20 years. Just all of a sudden, out of the blue, it just didn't pass muster. There's some smell test things going on here that I don't, you know, I don't really know. Maybe the drivers in the Matsu are angry because the Anchorage School District drivers just got a raise to $25 an hour plus another $12.5 in health insurance paid to the Teamsters health insurance plan. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Share the show, like the show. Let's do it. All right, let's uh, continue on here. We got uh, some other stories to get to, but first things first, let's um, let's uh, get on board and uh, see what you guys have to say. Phone lines are open again at 907-433-3150, powered by our friends over there at Satellite West. 
Let's uh, let's let's start off with let's start off with these phone calls. Why don't we do that? We'll get over there and get things done. We'll start uh, over there. So let's uh, get the uh, get the ball rolling. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. It's Melody from Wasilla. Hello, Melody. What's on your mind, dear? You got questions? Ask me. Uh, I know so most of the answers of the things that you're discussing this morning. I know that you've been following this very closely, and it was a $200 million contract for 10 years. So they're getting $20 million a yes. year. Uh, 188 to $2 million, yes. Yeah. So they're getting $20 million right a year. Fined, I think, yeah, but they're being fined. I think the total is already up to like $1.6 million by the school district. So there, so there are fines being, being levied, okay? Because I, 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 couldn't see any. None yes, of the, none yes, of the stories seem to mention fines that. Every yet. day. Um, and uh, and this is not moving Durham off the mark. Durham is like, there's no nothing to see here. Move along. No. Um, well, yes, but I think the Matthew Borough School District should be held responsible for hiring. A contractual a company that has broken their contractual agreements, and the school district is offering gas cards now to sped students. From what I've seen, um, however, if your child is boundary exempt, they're not paying for your gas. So I'm included. And what in what does that mean? Boundary? Get, what is it? Reimbursed for our gas wait price. a second, Melody. You're talking some foreign languages here. What does boundary exempt mean? It means my child's not going to the school uh, of the district area that he's supposed to go to. Okay, so, so if you've got a kid, a so you've got a kid in another district, or you're driving your kid to another district, which you were already doing because you weren't on the right bus route anyway. So you're not getting paid for gas. Right. That's that's still on you because that was a decision you made early. But if your kid is yeah. in the district, no, and, and, yeah. right, right. Okay. So, uh, but they are offering gas cards. And, uh, I mean, is what's the response been so far? Because, like I said, all I seem to be seeing on social media is more anger, not necessarily at the drivers, but at Durham and at the school board for not doing more. Now, I don't know what exactly more they could do other than try to enforce this contract and continue to penalize. I don't know what the answer is, but something just seems something just seems off. My opinion, they want to get rid of busing altogether. The school district does. Well, that's I. I They're mean, talking about internalizing it. Internalizing it and making it not private party stuff, where the school district actually buys and maintains the buses. Yes. Well, yeah, that won't. Co- yes. That yes, won't cost. The thing is, the school district can't afford it. Yeah. That won't cost three times what they're paying right now. I guarantee you. I mean, you know, anytime yeah. you take a government program from a private program, it's going to cost two to three times what it would have cost from the private sector. Not that the private sector is shining in this instance. Again, going back to the whole issue, going back to the whole issue, Melody, of um, the original uh, contract. I mean, again, first student had had this contract for, I think, 20 years almost. And just all of a sudden, they put in a deficient RFP. I mean, they put in a deficient bid, and it just didn't work. And that was the, I mean, it, it just, it, the whole thing, like I said, doesn't necessarily pass the smell test. Unless it was an intentional thing from first student where they're like, we're done j- dealing with these yokels in the Matsu, 
and they just they fluffed it intentionally. I I mean I just can't imagine them submitting right, a bid right. that was wrong. Here's what I heard. They submitted it, but it was higher than Durham. The school district will not say that, but the people that used to work for first student that is now working for Durham have said that. The contract was above what Durham wanted. Basically, Durham was the cheaper contract of the two. The school district said, no, no, no. First student didn't come in complete with their contract. I called baloney. So your so your assertion is that it I was know, they a they did yeah. not vet that company before they hired them. Yeah, and they didn't vet them right. Yeah, I mean Durham is, apparently has got some issues across uh-huh. the lower forty eight as well, and its and its parent company have got some have got some issues apparently across the uh, the lower forty eight. But yeah, because they keep telling us that the the contract was incomplete or deficient. But what you're saying is the argument was no. They were just more expensive than Durham, and that's why they went with a cheaper bidder. And look what happens Correct. sometimes when you go with the cheapest Correct. bid, right? Correct. So. Correct. Well, uh, interesting stuff, Melody. Yeah. Any any thoughts on the movement? I mean, like you said, you've been kind of following this. What Any thoughts on the movement of where this goes from here? Uh, have you heard anything else? Um, I think right now we're – basically not going to have buses for the rest of the year is my my projection. Um, the school district's refusing to hold Durham accountable. They're talking, oh, the negotiations are between Durham and the union, blah, 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 blah. We don't have any responsibility with that. But yet you hired them, but you can't fire them. Well, that's Excuse the thing. Me? Yeah. At some point, there's got to be a – at some point, there's not just fines, right? At some point, it's got to be breach of contract. I mean, you right. breached the contract. You're, you know, right. I don't care what your internal what squabble I is. I don't care what you got going on. That's between you and your employees. Yes, I agree with that. But at some point, mm-hmm. they've got to say, "Pooper, get off the pot." Right? I mean, you you either got to fix this with your employees, or we're going to kick I you to the him. curb. Mm-hmm. I told him to hold Durham's feet to the fire. Well, it's. Uh, all I got to say is, again, I'm just reminded yet again what a great decision it was on our part not to get uh, involved in the whole mess of things like this because that's just – it's just insane. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. You know, Michael, huh? if I could, I would. I, <laughs> I just – I'm a grandparent, and school is far beyond where – now from where I could actually teach my child. Well, I'll be honest with you, Melody. So it's, it's not even a Melody. For him. I'll be. Let me again. I know it's not for everybody. All right, but let me put on my gospel. Yeah. Let me put on my hat for the gospel of homeschooling, real quick. It's not as hard as you think. <laughs> it's not as hard as you think. You get with a program like Idea or Cyberlinks or Raven. Idea is my one of choice. You don't have to be a genius to be able to teach your kids. You don't have to have. Uh, a degree. You don't have to have a lot of that stuff. The, all you have to do is guide them and support them. And the programs will work. And the and the teachers, the contact teachers that are at a place like IDEA are there to help you at any moment. And again, a lot of this stuff is done over the internet, through group learning, through online studies. And all you do is support your kids and make sure that they stay on track. And if they've got a problem, you call the contact teacher, and the teacher works with you and your and your kid to work it through. It's not hard. It is not. Just because you're a grandma doesn't mean that you can't teach these kids uh, at uh, you know at home with the help of 
of trained professionals who are at your beck and call. It's super easy. Trust me. My student needs sped support. He needs social emotional support. Yeah. So it, well, it, like I said, it it's not work for him. Yeah, it's not for everybody, but uh, for the, I guarantee right. you, for the lion's share me, of people to work. Believe me, if he could homeschool, he would in a heartbeat. He he doesn't like getting up and going to school every day. He would <laughs> much rather be homeschooled. Uh, yeah, I hear that. All right. Well, thank you, Melody, for your call. I appreciate you signing off this morning. No problem. Okay. Thank you. That leaves uh, all four lines open. Uh, if you would like to uh, sound off this morning, we'd love to hear what you have to say. A little bit of a shaker, a little bit of a shaker uh, late Monday night. Uh, I didn't hear about it until mid-morning yesterday, so it was uh, uh, it was a little quaky, but uh, didn't really cause many problems. A 5.4 magnitude earthquake shook all the listeners down in Kodiak on late Monday night, about 8.35 p.m., it was uh, the epicenter was about 70 miles south of Kodiak City itself, uh, and it was about 5.7 miles deep in the Earth crust. There was no tsunami expected and no reports of damage, although residents did have reports of moderate shaking at the uh, on the USGS website. Uh, I will. I will say that anytime there's an earthquake anymore, after going through the quake of 2018, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a little bit of a, did you feel that? Did you feel that? Did you feel that? I mean, anytime I feel the ground shake a little bit, I'm like, was that, was that equipment? Was that us? It was a little traumatic. I was right here in the studio uh, when that happened in 2018. I was literally, it happened like eight minutes after the show ended and I was in here doing the podcast or whatever, getting things squared away when that earthquake started. And boy, howdy, I thought the world was going to end. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty pretty amazing stuff. So I've always, anytime I feel any rumble, I'm like, what was that? What was that? Did you feel that? Uh, my wife is just like, oh, she just stop. <laughs> she just, I'm like, was that her? Not that you could do anything about it, but, you know, it's uh, it's it's crazy stuff. So I'm glad to hear all the folks in Kodiak are uh, uh, are uh, are safe and well taken care of and everything else. So good uh, good for you guys. Uh, the Attorney General of the state of Alaska, J- Treg Taylor, has now joined a lawsuit against the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives to enjoin and stop the new pistol brace ruling from going into effect for Alaskans. Uh, pistol braces uh, commonly used by gun owners across the country. And in fact, for over 10 years, uh, Governor Mike Dunleavy said this is just another example of this administration blatantly attacking the constitutional rights of our citizens. For over 10 years, shooters have used these braces in accordance with the law. They should not be penalized with an invasion of privacy or criminal action because this president has such disdain for citizens who exercise their rights to bear arms. The ATF specifically approved pistol braces as legal in 2013 and reaffirmed the decision multiple times, multiple times, multiple decision letters out there. But the new rule change would now have uh, you would have to register any gun that the pistol brace is attached to as a short barrel rifle and pay a $200 fee or be committing a felony in violation of the National Firearms Act. Now, 
I think very much that this this uh, law is probably going to be thrown out uh, very, you know, much like the uh, bump stock ban uh, that where the uh, federal courts basically said the ATF has exceeded their actions because the same thing happened on the bump stock ban, the bump stock. uh, And that's a Trump. That's a Trump era uh, administrative decision. That was that was Trump that did that, that banned your bump stocks. Um, So don't tell me what a great guy he is. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but it was the same, basically the same decision. A piece of kit had been deemed legal. There were multiple decisions and multiple determination letters that said it was legal. And then arbitrarily one day they decided that, no, it's actually a machine gun. And uh, the courts came back and said, you don't have that authority. That is Congress's purview to make and write laws like that. You don't have that authority. That's unconstitutional. And they have since uh, thrown that out. So I fully expect that this is going to be uh, another issue like that uh, because it's basically been done in almost identical in an almost identical way. Uh, and so now the uh, <clears throat> the state of Alaska has joined 24 other states as well as a group of industry folks, including the Firearms Regulatory Accountability Coalition, uh, SB Tactical, who makes braces, uh, B&T USA, a firearms importer, and a, uh, a, a retired police firearms instructor and a wounded warrior, Richard Cicero, who uses stabilizing braces. Uh, in addition to the states that are suing, veterans from Texas and Wisconsin have sued over the new rule. Uh, the National Rifle Association is also suing, along with Gun Owners of America, the Gun Owners Foundation, and the Texas Attorney General, who filed a separate lawsuit against the ATF on Thursday, over the pistol brace as well. This is gonna this is gonna go full court press on this. This will not stand. I can all, I'm just I can read the writing on the wall. This will not stand. We'll get a deeper dive in on this on Friday with Firearms Friday. But I just wanted to give you the heads up that Alaska is now in the fray, as it were, on what's happening uh, in uh, in the pistol brace wars that are going on with the ATF. All right, we got one more segment coming up. The phone lines are still open if you want to call in and sound off on anything that we've talked about or whatever you want to whatever you want to hit on. We'd love to uh, we'd love to see what you have to say. Give us a call 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Let me go back over here. Oof. Oh, somebody got. Oh, you guys got real verbose there. Let me see what's going on. Uh, good morning, Fairbanks. Supposed to get a winter storm this evening in Fairbanks. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Zora says. On YouTube, bad, irregular hours, high liability, high stress, relatively low pay. Sounds like a great gig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Not enough time to call in, says Brittany. So please say a big thank you to Mike Shower for representing 
the folks that truly live and work in Alaska and want to keep it the last frontier. Us blue-collar workers don't want to give up the lifestyle to do the political work in Juneau. We need Mike Shower. We love you. Second, it takes a village to raise a child, right? I don't live in Anchorage, but if I did, I'd be more than willing to pick up the burden. Okay. Um, not every student or family is able to homeschool, said Melissa. I know. I said that. I mean, I think you should look real hard at it, though. I think you should look real hard at it. Um, the government has a hard time in protecting itself from incompetence. Usually the lowest price, technically acceptable proposal wins. Establishing the screening criteria is a hard, especially when it's public money. That's, that is true. That is true. Um, let's see. Mm. That's what, oh, Willie just said, that's what uh, Bethel did when she, when, uh, she was saying that the school district wanted uh, to take over the busing themselves. That's what Bethel did. Bought buses, fired Lyman Hoffman's firm, turned around and rented his two bus buildings. Now drivers are state employees, which means they're going to be, you know, they're going to be right there. Terry's actually got a technical term for what I feel. Quakeziety. Is that what it is? Quakeziety? We, there, was a, there was an earthquake in Fairbanks in 2007, I think. There was a real shaker. I mean, my house was like groaning and rocking and rolling. And my wife rolled her eyes for a week. It's, again, it's one of those few things that I feel kind of powerless about, and I definitely don't like it. And so when the 2018 quake hit, I was like, whoa, that was not, that was not fun. Um, some drivers might go elsewhere, good for them, and they may continue to strike while working elsewhere. So airline pilots have gone on strike, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um. There's, that was actually a Michelle Obama quote to promote more government involvement. Or, no, that was actually a Hillary Clinton quote, Hawk. That was Hillary Clinton said it took a village to raise a child, um, which I mean, the, to which I said, what if it's the idiot and then it's a village idiot? I don't know. I just, you know, um, the drivers would definitely be paid more as state employees than as Durham employees. The government pays theirs wells. Yep. The only winners here are the lawyers and those employed by the legal system, says Chris, of which I agree totally. I agree totally. Um, Trump is 10,000 times better than Biden in an area of guns and everything else, uh, says Grandy. Uh, I think that it's uh, – as far as gun stuff goes, I don't think – you don't want to be pulling out the Trump card on that one because he is no friend to the gun owner. I'll just say it. Now, is Biden more adversarial? Absolutely. But it's like, again, would you like a turd sandwich or a poop milkshake? That's not a choice that you want to live with. Um, if the stifer filterizes, we won't need to worry about guns or anything else. 2007, I had a bunch of books fell. I learned my lesson that year, says Amy Emeralds. Yeah, I mean, that was it. We didn't have anything fall off. I can't remember. We may have had a painting or something fall off the wall. Uh, but, I mean, overall, that was just like, wow, that was a shaker. But then 2018, that was the one that just rattled your teeth. That was the one that I was, you know, I had never been through an earthquake like that. And being, again, this room is... I can't even stretch my arms all the way out. This room is small. This is like four by eight and monitors in front of me and everything and stuff on the desk. And when it started to go, man, every, the monitors flipped down on the arms and things were banging. It was like, I mean, it was, I was like, whoa, whoa. 
<laughs> but Quakesiety, thank you. That's a I didn't I had not I had not heard that. Uh, yeah, I do get a little Quakesiety sometimes when I'm just like, did you feel that? Did you, did you feel that? Not that you could do anything about it, but maybe that's the point. Maybe that's why I have a little anxiety about the Quakes is because you can't do anything about it. Horrible, horrible stuff. Um, all right. Um, what else are we going to talk about this morning? I suppose we could talk about uh, Eastman's little faux pas yesterday. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. We could talk about Gary Stevens, what he's talking about. What do you guys want to talk about? You want to talk about uh, Gary Stevens? You want to talk about uh, Eastman's little, uh, um, the benefits of having a dead child? Um, comment which again what what were you what were this definitely falls under the column of what were you thinking what were you thinking or were you just not i mean kind of thing um anyway either or we're going to jump into it here we go the michael duke show common sense radio Thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, hour one of the Michael uh, Michael Luke show. <laughs> Let's make sure sure. It's me. It's me. I'm the talker. That's what I do for a living. Uh, can't you tell? Hump day. Middle of the week. Feeling pretty good about it. I can see firearms Friday from here, and I just started work yesterday. My God, why can't we all have? In fact, I had to laugh because yesterday I said something to Brad Keithley about that. And later on, he forwarded me an article from the Wall Street Journal that um, actually they just did a recent study. They just did a recent study of 61 companies um, uh, and instituted. It was a six month program where they instituted a four day work week as a test. And now something like 90% of those companies are keeping it on because they found people became more productive. They had less absenteeism. It was, I mean, just a tremendous, tremendous success. I was so impressed by it that I forwarded it to my, <laughs> forwarded it to my buddy who runs all the stations in Fairbanks there. Uh, who uh, oversees uh, whoever sees my stations down in Anchorage. And I said, uh, hey, um, you may want to consider this. <laughs> I don't know how well it was received, but I felt pretty good about it. Now, I don't know how you guys would feel about that, where I was just basically on the air four days a week. But, boy, I'd feel pretty good about it. I'd feel pretty good about it, that's for sure. Definitely made the weekend a little bit nicer. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to get off the subject, but... Uh, it was that was an interesting read. I'll just put it that way. It's in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the uh, the title of the article, just in case you guys are looking for it, is uh, um, after testing four days a week, companies don't want to stop. That's what they said. After testing four day week, 
companies don't want to stop. And uh, definitely an, an interesting article. All right. Well, let's um, let's come up to another interesting article. Uh, another one. Uh, the Senate has not been the state Senate has not been a uh, shy uh, about, uh, you know, getting out there and doing pressers to try and put their to try and put their uh, image on the line. Right. They have not been shy about going out there and basically um, saying whatever they felt like saying to try and press their point home uh, yesterday. The uh, Senate had a press conference where they talked about the major topic uh, was education funding. And they say teacher shortages plaguing all levels of Alaska public schools and increasing the base student allocation were what was discussed by Senate majority members. Loki Tobin of Anchorage discussed recent explorations into career and technical educational options for students. But Alaska's teacher shortage and shrinking workforce remains complex, interwoven subjects that the members of the 33rd Alaskan legislature face. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that they're treating this teacher shortage and shrinking workforce as if it is in isolation and it has absolutely nothing to do with the workforce in the country as a whole. And that it's simply the 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 short answer is, is that simply we are not paying these people enough. That we're not offering lucrative enough positions, that we're not offering the right benefits, that they're not getting enough pay. They are ignoring the fact that there is a employee and teacher shortage across the country. That's just not even brought up. Every time you come back, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. And and Gary Stephen goes on to make the point that it's not just understaffing in K through 12. He talks about a faculty shortage at the University of Alaska, although he did blame the governor for that. The testimony from the university was that they were down because of the losses to budget. Well, they can say they're down first and foremost. Let me just talk about the budget shenanigans in that kind of stuff. They could say that they're down because of the losses to the budget. May or may, may not be true. I don't know. I haven't looked closely enough at their budget to justify that. But we've seen that in the past where they're saying, oh, it's because of the budget that we did it, not because they just can't fire. They can't just hire. Uh, they can't, can't find people. They can't find people right now. He said they're down 500 faculty members, which is an enormous loss. If we're going to provide education for Alaskans, we need to make sure we have a fully functioning faculty. Well, you know, before we get into the whole K, before we get into the whole university system, of which we have three universities with three underlying systems, with three duplicative bodies, with all this kind of stuff going on, maybe we should get college, maybe we should get high school students who could actually read, write, and do arithmetic, and where one out of four doesn't get basically doesn't graduate. I mean, maybe we should fix that part first. Before we start talking about secondary education, the problem is, of course, that the secondary education has become an industry unto itself. And so it sucks up a lot of the oxygen in the room. Oh, and by the way, Stevens has worked as a professor at the University of Alaska for 25 years. (laughs) I mean, you know, okay, he's been a professor at the university just as long as he's been in the legislature. 
I don't know what he's a professor of, but he's a little bit of conflict of interest going on there. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But see, this is the answer. When all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. All they want to do is increase government funding. So everything's be, everything becomes a problem of money shortage, right? They want to spend. So everything is a budget shortfall. Not the fact that you couldn't find teachers across the country for love or money. And part of it is because, look, there's been a fundamental shift since COVID. I mean, we've talked about this on the program. Uh, you know, there's been a fundamental shift in uh, uh, COVID. People have changed careers. People have reprioritized what is important to them. They're willing to just get by. They don't necessarily need millions of dollars. There's people who've just decided that they would rather spend more time experiencing life than they would be working in a job to collect money that they, you know, to do. I mean, they just priorities changed. COVID did a lot of things, and that was one of the major things that happened. I mean, we have had a worker shortage since COVID started. And yes, maybe part of that was spurred by the overuse and the abuse of the unemployment rolls and extra monies and all that. But I think in part, people were just, they were fundamentally changed. There was a lot of people out there that were just fundamentally changed about how they thought about life, how they thought about the work-life balance, how they thought about all these things. And some people just, they're not interested in having necessarily a career anymore. They want a job that pays them enough to live, and then they want to go out and experience and live life as best they can. I mean, that's all part of the the great resignation, right, that you kept hearing about. So the idea that somehow throwing more money at the issue is simply going to solve it is, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. All right. Um then finally, of course, yesterday we talked about David Eastman and his commentary, uh, his question in front of House Judiciary, which was, we played the question, it was, I, I mean, I just don't know what he was thinking. Uh, we weren't the only one that were outraged by the way he said it, uh, uh, asked the question, what he asked. Uh, and in fact, it has uh, gained uh, some traction. <laughs> he has gained some traction. Uh, and uh, somebody in the chat room just said that 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 piece has been viewed over one million times. Um, not doing your I, I guess I guess all I can say is good job to the Republican majority, I guess, not including David Eastman, because this is the kind of stuff he does. Uh, there was a comment in the uh, or there was a line in the uh Anchorage Daily News about this that I thought kind of summed it up locally, uh, summed it up great. Some House Republicans told the Anchorage Daily News they were appalled by Eastman's comments, but they would not say that on the record. Why, you might ask? The next sentence goes on to say, Eastman has a loyal and vocal band of far-right supporters who are known to call Republican offices and fight on his behalf when they feel he is being demonized. He's got a loud and vocal clan that will defend him to the death no matter what he does. I mean, anybody with half a brain could see that that was probably not the right way to ask that question. And that if you can't chastise somebody 
that you normally agree with over something like this, then my opinion is you need to get yourself a checkup from the neck up. Because if I couldn't, I mean, if Mike Shower said something like that, I'd be asking him the question, why? If any of the people that I normally agree with said something like that, I'd be asking, why did you ask that? What did you mean? Why would you do something that's stupid? But because some people believe that he can do no wrong, Eastman, I mean, they will they will verbally burn your house down over it. That is the sign of a cult of personality that you need to acknowledge and get rid of. We got to go. Gail says, I could see the double entendre. Surely David knew his words would be controversial. Um, what is your opinion about the commercials that are pushing to have people, W-2, ta- W-2 payers, to apply for the last of the COVID money? I I think it's wrong. I mean, if the money hasn't been used by now, that it shouldn't be used. Teacher unions have a stranglehold on bringing teachers from other states or countries. They all have to be recertified in the state of Alaska, which I think takes two years. That's a real reason for the teacher shortage. I talked to somebody the other day, anecdotally, whose wife talked to a gentleman whose wife was a teacher, and they had come up, and he's like, yeah, she wants to teach. They want to do things, but they won't won't allow her to be recertified because she's got to do this. I mean, it's crazy. Terry Lyons, what did he say? Uh, If you didn't hear... Uh, folks on salaries can work a fifth day for free. That was Chris talking about the four-day work week. Um, Eastman is pro-life, then makes a comment about abused children. He's mentally ill. I, I just, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's insane, the comment. For those of you who didn't hear the comment, send her the link. Well, there's links in the ADN. I could actually play the audio if you guys want to hear the audio before we jump into it. I will play it one more time. Uh, it's uh, it's up to you guys if you want to hear that again. I mean, it's it's hard to listen to. I mean, at that point, I was just like, what? The what? I mean, I actually had to listen to it twice in the beginning just to make sure that I heard it the way that it was. Uh, this is David Eastman in front of House Judiciary asking... Uh, a question of the person who's presenting for them on child abuse. Follow up. And um, how would you respond to the argument that I've heard on occasion where, um, you know, in the case where child abuse is fatal, obviously it's not good for the child, but it's actually a benefit to society because there aren't needed for government services and whatnot over the whole course of that child's life. Through the chair, can you say that again? Did you say a benefit for society? Um, talking dollars. Now you've got yes. a, a $1.5 million price tag here for uh, victims of fatal child abuse. Um, it, it gets argued periodically that it's actually um, a cost savings because that child is not going to need any of those government services that uh, they might otherwise um, 
you know, be entitled to receive and, and need based on, you know, growing up in this type of environment. Through the chair, uh, Representative, I guess that would be the idea, if I can use a really bad analogy, when you hit somebody, always back up because uh, it's cheaper to insurance. I don't pertain to that, and I'm really, uh, I'm not even sure how to answer that, that there's a cost saving to, uh, to the death of a child. The impact that that has on a family and us as a society when a child is lost, especially to child abuse and neglect, is unmeasurable. So, I mean, that was his question. Now, in the paper, they quote Sarah Vance as saying that um, uh, that she said, you know, uh, she that she said many people consider child uh, considered abortion to be child abuse. But that abortion supporters have said terminating a pregnancy could be a better option than raising a child in difficult circumstances. Eastman said something basically the same. It was the way he said it, I guess. It's just that was the problem was that the way he said it, he's basically saying that same kind of idea that it's better that a terminating a pregnancy would be a better option than raising a child in difficult circumstances, which is another fancy way of saying murdering a child would be better than having it be difficult for us to have to take care of it. Also the same thing, right? So context is important, yes, but also the way you phrase things are important. And Eastman did not do himself any favors on that, um, the, the way he phrased it. That was the, that, that is definitely not, you know, the good. So context is important, you know, definitely context is important, but it uh, also, it could have been, it would, it would have, yeah. It, it was interesting. Anyway, interesting. Interesting stuff. Um, he was essentially, I think, trying, I think he failed miserably at trying to paraphrase an argument that many abortion opponents make early on and did it in the worst possible way. Words matter. I know, words matter. But that was, uh, you know, that that's it. That's it right there. Um, all right, uh, let's, uh, uh, okay, here we go. I see that Mr. Chower, they call him Mr. Chower. He's in the, uh, he's in the, uh, green room. I don't know if I want to let him in. He looks a little grumpy this morning. He's looking a little, he's, <laughs> he's talking to me, but I, I can't hear a word he's saying, but he's out there just like, what? I just, oh! You look grumpy, man. No, not really. It's all fine. It's good. Gonna snap my head like a pencil. Uh, I gotta go over here. Hello, my friend. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? You are a strange, strange little man. You know I, that? I am. I am a strange, strange boy. That's me. Uh, how are you? Grumpy. I'm not grumpy. I've got my coffee. I'm. I'm as happy. I'm sitting in Juno with. I'm like, how much happier could I be? My. I'm bursting. With happiness. I can see that. I can tell you are just bursting with happiness and optimism. It's going to mm. be fantastic. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I can't imagine. You know, you should chronicle your day for us today. You should chronicle your day for us today compared to what it was like last year when you were in the majority and you had some committees and things like. You should chronicle what a day is like. You know, what a difference a day makes, so to speak. Uh, but we're going to... We're going to get to that here in a second. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Back with more right after this.
Oh, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to everything. Podcasts, social media, the Patreon, the Common Sense Core, everything. All of it at MichaelDukesShow.com and the audio-only live stream, which is going on right now. Uh, And, of course, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. Welcome to Hump Day. Wednesday, getting ready to jump into it. It is hour two, which means we are now joined by our guest for today in hour two, the senator, the hostess with the mostest. I don't know what that means. Um, State Senator Mike Shower joins us for the shower hour of power. Hello, my friend. Good morning. Uh, how How is how is you? I'm good, and I am not grumpy. You're good. Regardless of what you try to sell to your audience, I am not grumpy. I'm very happy. It's just, when I was looking in the green room, he's this little tiny image down at the bottom, and I thought, man, he looks grumpy. He just looks, but he's not. He's got coffee. He's awake. He's ready to go. He's in Juno, feeling a mild, impotent rage at being parked in the corner. But other than that, he's fine, fine, just fine. State Senator Mike Shower joins us this morning to talk about, well, the ongoing exile of uh, three senators from the caucus and the disenfranchisement of 100,000 voters uh, in this continuing struggle to overcome the oppressors of... I don't know where I'm going with it this morning, but uh, I thought we'd just get started. I love it, uh, it's, it you know, Mike, um, you know, I just said during the break before we came back on, I said, you know, you should, you should just give us a snapshot of what a day is like today in these circumstances, being on the outside, looking in like one of those kids at Christmas where your nose is stuck to the glass. Um, and uh, what it was like a year ago when you, <laughs> when you were, when you were, uh, you know, in the majority, uh, working in the committees, doing all that kind of stuff. Maybe just give me the, I'm going to let you run free for the rest of the hour. But maybe what you need to do is look to what, what, what's, what's your day like these days? Well, um, first of all, I guess we'll just start off that with a, a hearty welcome. I always do to those that are listening that say they don't care <clears throat> to what we say on this radio broadcast. Oh, so yeah. Oh, welcome yeah. to those people that will transcribe it. I always have to start off with that. So I do think that's amusing and I will always be amused by that. Now, that being said, what happens in the day? So like today, get up, make yourself a little breakfast, have a cup of coffee, and then start to think of how can I cause trouble today? So, you know, that's the first thing on the list. I go through some notes and you know, where can I where can I start, you know, uh, adding uh, uh, issues to the table for our friends and, uh, you know, the coalition majority. And 
then I will go in and usually what I will do, Mike, is either here sometimes in the apartment or in the office. And sometimes the office is better because I can have the TV on and the laptop or, you know, the computer and be watching multiple committees at the same time. One of the goals I've realized is since, you know, I've been silenced from having a committee to actually do the work right um, in real time. I just watch them because you can actually kind of, you know, fast forward and watch all of the different committees. It's kind of like TiVo used to be the big thing back in the day. Right. 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 Watch a whole TV show and like half the time cut out the commercials. So I can keep up to speed a little bit better than I was before. I was, I'm laughing at Kevin McCabe's comment. He says, wonder the halls all day looking for his buddies. I usually don't look at comments, but today I was just kind of just seeing what was out there. And it's kind of true because I make fun of him and Mike Cronk and a few others because it used to be, I had six, seven, eight committees, right? And subcommittees and I was so busy. It's like, how's it going? How's it, you know, the house members the last couple of years were in the minority. They didn't have a lot to do. So they'd be like, hey, you want to get together? You want to go, oh, I'll try. I don't have much time. You know, I'm pulling 12, 14 hour days, you know, and like this year it's the exact opposite. All of a sudden now it's like, um, hey, Kevin, you want to uh, sit down and talk for a little bit? He's like, I can't, man, I'm busy. And, you know, they're like running around everywhere. It's like the total reverse, which is pretty funny to me because I, I'm like, you guys got some time? You want to sit down and talk? I'm like, no, man, I got another committee. I think Kevin told me with subcommittees, he has like 11. So um, that's a rather busy day because every time I go in there, I see staff. Hey, is Kevin? Nope, he's in, a, he's in a committee, isn't he? Yeah, he's in a committee. So welcome to being in the majority, pal. That's number one. Um, so I look at that, check up on emails, standard stuff. And what I'm doing right now, Mike, is a little different. I haven't had time to do this in the past, really, or it took, you know, a year to get there over the first year of the session is there's a lot of new legislators. So I'm spending time every day going into a different legislator's office, a couple if I can, and get to know them. Hey, who are you? Where'd you come from? What's your background? You know, Democrats, Republicans don't care. want to get to know everybody because you want to know their, you know, what's their background? What's their goals? You know, those kinds of things. It still helps to know friends or enemies politically, regardless of what they are. Um, and so you understand them and see, you know, what the issues are. So spend a lot of time doing that. And then, um, of course, we have our caucus meetings every week, um, you know, all three of us. So we have that very important <laughs> task to talk about, you know, the good news is in our caucus meetings compared to before where there was like 11, 12, 13, I don't know how they do this with 17. Um, I, I get more time to talk because, you know, there's only three of us. So it's more efficient. Uh, we cover a lot more ground and um, there's a lot less contentiousness. So that's kind of cool. Right. There's that part of it with our caucus meetings. Um, and then I spent a lot of time with some of the other staff. There's some pretty good staff in the building discussing strategy and things we can support and issues we can be doing and looking at different things. So, um, it's strange how even without committees, you can keep yourself busy and I don't mean busy work, but there's things you can do that otherwise I'd, you wouldn't normally have time to do. And I thought I would have like no lobbyists coming through and those kinds of groups on honestly i'm getting a lot more than i thought i would a lot right. of people are still stopping by so um busier than i thought it might be maybe playing the long game i mean those folks playing the long game <laughs> so they're expecting mike shower to be back sometime in the future so they're continuing to grease the wheels or or come well, in and try and glad hand you yeah i think there's some of that because you know this is where people you know honestly are not very smart mike they allow their emotions and and their petty, you know, vindictiveness and, you know, to kind of rule their actions right down here. They go, I don't like you because you said something three years ago and I, and I hate you for it. Okay. 
copy we're not going to forget the past and move on and govern understand those are just false words right it's like we need to move past the rhetoric and all the stuff and govern i'm like well we're not doing that in the alaska senate right now so but there that's not all of them some of them are very pragmatic and smart and they're like no hey what happens next november might actually change things and you know you're on the up right now you may be on the down next time and i think there's lobbyists and others that like you said mike they play the long game there's certainly some um, elected officials here that play the long game and, and they don't act like that they don't treat people that way so um like i said before i'm young they're old political <laughs> winds change just sit here and wait them out wait my turn mike sometimes yeah. that's how it goes and and like i've said before just because we're in a minority doesn't mean we're not effective right. have a good relationship with an awful lot of other people in parts of that building so um those things can be used to great effect at times especially when you consider how some senators have treated our governor over the last few years and some other so you know and i haven't done any of that mike so things you know don't always work out the way you think they do <laughs> and like i told you before i'm getting some stuff done in the shadows here that i didn't get done for four years in the majority so it's kind of interesting how um god has a plan and uh it just you know he makes lemonade out of lemons all the time and you look at that and go how'd that happen why that's terrible and i said go huh well, that's interesting. That did. Oh, look at that. Wow. Got that done. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. Is what it is. Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, there, there are really I mean, sometimes there are things that need to be done quietly in the background that you may not have had the availability or the, uh, you know, the availability or the ability to do when you were in the majority. Maybe now there's some of that quiet. And I had to chuckle when you said you're trying to figure out stroking your evil mustache. How can you make trouble? I just all I could do is picture. You know, Mike, Mike shower every morning, picking out the legislative version of the anarchist cookbook. How do I do this? What do I what do we do to make to stir up trouble? And make, but, you know, that's how they look at it. They look at it as, oh, you guys are just troublemakers and pot stirrers. You're trying to exercise the will of your constituency. That's what gets me, because I'm sure that's how they picture you. You know, you're waxing your mustache and and uh, and trying to just stir up trouble and be, you know, a, a, a legislative terrorist or whatever. But the thing is, you're just trying to execute the will of your constituency. And at every opportunity, not only are they punishing you, they, they the, the, the majority, they're punishing them. They're punishing your voters. And people have got a long memory, too. I think that they will remember that. I think that this will have, I think, personally, this will have consequences in the future. Well, I mean, I hope it does, Mike, because behavior needs to be rewarded or punished right you know um and that's really what a voter should be looking at is is a legislator doing a good job representing you know their district and their people or are they not and how are they working with others so it is a it's an interesting point to bring up and i have tried to discuss that here and say look one of the issues i've had with our big tent so-called is that the big tent always seems to mostly exclude conservatives um, but that big tent is supposed to include every moderate and every almost left of center Republican from all these other districts. And you've got to just accept them. And that's the way it is. I go, how come they don't accept us in the mat suit? Right. Unless you play the game, they want you to play it or, you know, play the game the way they want you to play it. They have always excluded us. And, you know, the binding caucus really thing. So they, they're asking us, as I have said, to commit political suicide, for example, like against, you know, voting against the PFD or for certain budgetary items. And I'm sitting there going, you know you're asking us to commit political suicide it's almost like you're doing it on purpose to get rid of us because you know that we will never and, and i will give bill Wilikowski credit for this he talks about it. i said man i think we've said it before in the program mike he's like i don't know how you guys do it he's like you guys you know in the matsu and other parts of the state that are very red he's like your people just slaughter you you make one misstep and they're just like 
off with their head, you know, tar and feather them. And he's like, you know, Democrats, liberals, they can get away with just about anything. You know, their people will forgive them, move on. As long as they kind of stay in lockstep with the, you know, the general feeling of the day, then they're fine. He's like, but man, on the conservative side, you guys just kill each other. And he's like, you wonder why you can't have a long serving legislator that gets seniority or one that can move up and, and do certain things without, you know, they just we're so constrained because we circle the wagons and shoot each other. And, you know, when you think if you want to sit back and be unintellectually honest about it, think that's a pretty salient observation from a, a right. long serving Democrat legislator who said, you guys on the right, you just kill each other. He's like, there's a reason why we're marching strong and generally stick together on the Democrat or the, or the left to center side, because they don't generally do that to each other, you know, yeah. depending on the level. So I just, it was an interesting comment. I had to sit back and go, you know what? You're right. Yeah. You know, I make one misstep and I'm done. You know, you can do whatever here. And people are like, oh, that's fine. And I had, and I won't say the name, but the legislator about four years ago told me that when he voted against the PFD, you know, in the budget at the end, like I've said many times, or legislator, I voted for the PFD. Yeah, but you knew it was going to fail and you knew it was going to be put into the budget that way. And then you voted for the budget. You voted against the PFD. Don't give me that. But that's how they right. spend the answer, right? They sure. know how to play that game. This this particular legislator had done that from a district, you know, after campaigning for it. And I, I just I point out that I asked the question, well, why did you you know, how, how are you going to get away with that? You campaign on statutory PFD. It's like, oh, man, I got I got three years to apologize to the people in my district. They'll forgive me. I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's so, not cynical at all. That's not that's not, you know, but it's it's realistic. It right? is realistic. It is. Memory, they forget, it is. They yeah. The same people. Back and I'm like, it's it's again, these are I'm paying attention to what people do and what they say here, Mike. And I've watched some of the ones that are very good, whether they're slimy or not is a different story, or they've been around a long time, or whatever you might think, but they know how to operate. I'm watching going, wow, you know, there's it's some a, lessons yeah. here if you can hold on to your soul and not, you know, sell yeah. your soul and compromise. There's some lessons here, and I'm talking about how to operate, right? Right, right. As far as you know, whether you file big bills or how they do amendments and things, and you watch people that have been here for a while, and they know how to op- they know how to work the system. Yeah, love them or hate them, love them or hate them, Mike. They know how to work the system. It's a master class in the political process, isn't it? That's what you're you're experiencing right now, for sure, is a master class. And you know, I've made this commentary before on the two different political spectrums. You know that the the progressives, you know, going back to Willikowski's statement, the progressives are very much um, kumbaya, communal in nature, coming together. You know, it takes a village kind of that's the kind of mentality. And the problem with the conservatives is that they are more rugged individualist independence. I want to go my own way. Um, and so we've had that problem, not just inside the legislature, but outside, too, where people don't want to come together because they want to do it on their own, you know, kind of thing. And so that's that's the challenge we face as uh, more uh, conservative independents is that, you know, we, we need we need to learn how to work together better. Yes, I want to be ruggedly individual. Yes, I want to be responsible for my own deeds. I want to do I don't want to live in a commune. I don't want to do all that. But at the same time, we still need to learn how to work together. And that's a lesson that we could learn uh, in part from some of these ideas that you're seeing more on the progressive side is being able to work together. And it just, it's hard. It's hard to watch it. And it's hard to see those things play out. It's uh, its frustrating sometimes. Like I said, I'm not going to respond to individual comments, but I am looking at them today. It's been a while since I've looked at them, but I just want to make the point. I'm not saying that it's necessarily right to yeah. understand or that I'm that I'm not going to hold, the, like me personally, hold my ground on the, on the issues, right? Like a fiscal policy and other things. My point is I watch what they're doing and go, what's, what's successful? How do they work? You know, how are they able to operate, you know, inside the system? And so 
I think conservatives should do what they're doing, hold us accountable, right? If we don't follow, I mean, I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me. But I thought it was a really interesting comment from that Democrat that's been around a long time that says you guys just destroy each other where they'll let the Democrats get away with it and stay around for decades and something. And that would never happen, you know, to a conservative because they'll get run out of town eventually, especially if they compromise on virtually anything. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the right of the voters. I will respect that. But it does explain a little bit when you think of why there are no long serving real Republican conservatives. They get run out of town by conservatives. They're held accountable. And people that are moderate or left of center, you know, they're people just let them do things, you know, and that's what their district's sending. Yeah. They go back to what we talked about before. Look, every district's not the same. Every district isn't the mat suit. Yeah. No, and that's so, that's the truth for sure. Uh, State Senator Mike Shower is our guest. We're going to continue the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. This, this one's for you, Mike. Listen to this. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Mike, you got to be able to make this. It's so funny to me. I just, you know, have some thick skin and quit being so thin skinned about everything. This is called humor. It's like watching Bill Meyer. I don't agree with a lot of stuff he says. Actually, he's made a lot of sense the last year. It's almost scary, right? Because right. he seems to be one of the few liberals left with an actual intellectual, some intellectual honesty. And he's yeah. a real comedian. At times, he's actually really funny. But I can take it. When he's yeah. making fun of me as a conservative, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I, I laugh yeah. at it. You got to have some humor here, man. When you try to say, look, hey, welcome to all those staffers listening in today. Come on, guys. It's called humor. We're making fun of it. Quit being so serious and angry all the time. It's like, good <laughs> Lord, this place has just lost any sense of humor to just have a little bit of fun with things. And that's the whole point. We're making fun of it, Mike. It's like a movie, you know, that you made years ago. You know, Mel Brooks, some of his movies that were just irreverent. I mean, the point of the humor was pointing out the stupidity in society, right? And, and you know, racism and bigotry and all that stuff. He was pointing it out and making fun of it to show how stupid it was. That's what's the beautiful thing about a comedian. It's like, come on, man, we're not the right. comedians, but you can have a little fun here. Oh, I know. And, Bill, and Bill Maher has been really, I mean, he's been kind of castigated by the left when he when he started, you know, it was all good and fun when he was making fun of all the conservative values and poking fun at all that. But then he started saying, well, you guys are kind of getting out of line over here on the whole eat your own thing and everything else. And they're like, oh, heresy, you know, and all of a sudden he's, you how know, dare you? I know how dare you do that. And he's like, wait, I, this is the same thing I've been doing for years. I'm just pointing it at everybody. And uh, yeah, you're right. When I started when I started laughing and agreeing with Bill Maher, I'm like, well, I mean, there's at least one guy who's intellectually honest, you know, him and him and Ricky Gervais. Those are two guys that just all of a sudden were like saying things that were just like you, you people on the left, you're just as bad as the people on the right. And it was just, I was, whew, man, you want to see how fast those guys get dropped and canceled. It was uh, it was pretty hysterical to see. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and Christine's not wrong. It's it's got to have humor with what's going on. And honestly, if I didn't have humor here, I'd probably be crying. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, at some point, you just gotta laugh about the stuff happening. And go, guys. I just gotta. Th this is for me to survive. It's almost like survival mode, right? This is my reaction. I see stuff. I'm like, oh, here we go again. Oh, that too. Oh, that's we're not gonna solve this problem. I'm just like, 
some days you like I said it's it, I'm making a little bit of a joke but it's like you got to Right. You got to laugh. You don't cry. You know, well, make what's, fun of it. what's ironic just, is that here you are in the corner wearing your dunce hat. Right. You know, and doing all that kind of stuff where they put you in the thing. And yet they still are chastising you for anything that you say on the radio, on the air. You don't name names. You don't say anything. You've been very careful and cautious about that. And yet still they're like, we know you were talking about us. Stop talking about us. I mean, you know, kind of thing. And I'm just like, that. that's. That's insane. They want to shut people up and control you. Yeah. If they can maintain power with enough people, you know, to lie about you, to tell people that you're a terrible person, that you don't work well with others, that you worked with the FBI. Let's let's just think of the list of lies I've heard about Shelly and I for the last six months now. If you keep doing that, well, then you can justify your actions, right? Right. So. Well, that's demonize somebody. You can explain why you wouldn't want to work with them, even though it's all lies. And boy, could I, I'm not going to do it right now, but I got to tell you, brother, I got some information on people, some stuff they've been saying. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> well, oh, it, the problem out when the time is right, the problem is it's a, it's a lot of ego and narcissism is being, is on full display at this point when that's all they, you know, when that's all you're worried about is, you know, what people well, are saying Mike, about they screwed you. up. They gave me nothing but time yeah. to sit around and take notes and ask questions and find out who said what, and, oh, this is what really happened. I'm like. You'd be surprised what I'm finding out right now. So you know what? You actually, as I told you, you're so there's they're so not smart, is the easy way to say it, on how to manage people that they don't understand that what you do is when you somebody that you don't agree with or you don't think is doing things the way you want them to, the last thing you do is turn them loose. And what they've done is turn us loose. Instead of keeping us in tight and you know, with them and kind of constrained within the the bounds of that group working together with some agreements and all that, I got. No, no chains whatsoever, right? Because they probably would have been smarter to assign all you guys to a whole bunch of small subcommittees where you could be, you know, quietly busy and not make any trouble. But uh, nope, they couldn't. uh, Eagles couldn't handle that. That's for sure. If they didn't have a guilty conscience, they wouldn't worry about the caucus of three. Says Terry. Not, not, not a bad point. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show continuing. You're on for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. Not your daddy's talk radio and not your daddy, okay? I can guarantee you that. Not your daddy. Five is enough for me. Uh, We're back. Uh, State Senator Mike Schauer, our guest. We are going to jump in here and continue. It's the shower hour of power. Now, he's not going to be here with us next week, so we're going to take some questions probably from the chat room this week as well and ask some things. Um, But, uh, Mike, let's get an update here on what we're seeing uh, the latest, uh, of course, the, the way we started the session was we already knew kind of what the game plan was going to be because there was a lot of discussion about the BSA uh, and there was a lot of discussion about defined benefits. And, of course, it's going to save us money. Don't worry about how much it's going to cost. Don't worry. And now, of course, the latest push is now child care, which seems to all be part and parcel. Uh, Donna said earlier this week in the chat room that, you know, this is just like the fingerprint of the NEA. You've got a BSA increase, you've got a benefits increase, and now you've got subsidized child care 
pre-K and everything else. This is just like this is like the roadmap as being laid out by the uh, education uh, lobbies and education unions. Um, that seems to be the next big take. Uh, give us your thoughts on everything, how it's laying out, and especially the latest one on sub how they how somehow it's the government's responsibility to make sure that everybody has child care. Mike, it's for the children. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that a couple times. I <clears throat> okay on that one. I don't have enough good info yet because that's just coming out. So I really haven't been able to dive into what they're up to. Most of the time, last few weeks has been spent on um, check, you know, looking into this BSA issue and how we're going to look at that and what needs to happen and getting background and, and how that might be changed or accountability measures with it. You know, there's a whole bunch of options. Uh, myself and some other folks, I'm not going to name names of some of these because I don't want everybody to know everything we're looking at. But we just talked to a a senior senator in another state yesterday. Long conversation on how they did something in their state and then another one as well reaching out across the country to try to find options that we can present and go, these things work and here's how you do it. So and you're asking before how we're spending time after you know making fun of it for a bit, a lot of serious stuff we're doing and they're giving us time to do that. So again, too bad for them. Um, but we're finding a lot of good options out there that other states are doing that Alaska being a left of center, you know, politically, judicially, and, you know, um, like having basically a union controlled state, they're giving us some really good options. So we're looking at that. The other ones, the defined benefit plan, really diving into that and trying to, as I've said here, look at other options. One of the things I'm exploring is how we might look at healthcare as an option because um, I've talked to a number of first responders and every single one of them, including some teachers, have said that uh, the idea we're kind of bouncing around here about healthcare as opposed to um, uh, having a defined benefit plan would be a, an acceptable option because that's what most people are worried about. It's not the 401k or defined benefit per se. It's not the pay. And I'm telling the ones I've had conversations with probably at this point over 100, you know, campaigning last year, et cetera. It's the healthcare because that one healthcare event comes in and wipes out the family, um, you know. And so Naresh working on my staff talks about it. His wife has cancer. And I think, you know, and he was a tier one. He worked for the state for a long time, you know, and, you know, came from Nepal, more, you know, raised in India. You know, a lot of interesting, you know, background. But I think they're out of his account that was available, like two million or something. I don't want to get the numbers wrong. They've wiped out almost all of it on her cancer. Right. And so he's like, you know, and he spent 50,000 out of pocket, you know, blah, blah, whatever. The point is, it's like, that's that's the big concern for people. So spending time on those things, trying to find real solutions, of course, still working on the fiscal policy plan. And to uh, represent Ben Carpenter's credit, he has resurrected that policy working group, you know, forwarded that kind of blueprint to give us something to talk about and ways and mean and he, uh, his committee. And of course, he's the ledge budget and audit chair, a very powerful position. So he's bringing that forward. We've already, myself and several other senators uh, and reps have testified onto that. So he's trying to bring that forward and get that in the highlight. The House may be able to push that forward. you got a Senate that doesn't want to do it, but, you know, that's the, the balance. We'll see how the fight goes. There are four things I want to talk about, though. I was just writing them down here. Note, one, the bus deal I was watching earlier, you guys were talking about it. Right. And this is really fascinating because, you know, I'm an equal opportunity offender here. You know me. I, I look for both sides. I want to hear the story. I've talked to union reps, um, some, some bus drivers, and I've talked to... Uh, two school board members in person last week when I came back for different meetings. And I will tell you, it's really fascinating because one, I'm, we have to be a little careful because this, this is a contract negotiation or dispute that's taking place. We can't really insert ourselves in that. There's legal things, you know, that, you know, we have to be careful of, but I can tell you just asking questions. So I try to understand it more. 
it is interesting the amount of information or misinformation that's being thrown because I will tell you, the union told me flat out, oh, Durham won't talk to us. You know, they walked away from the table while I'm talking to the school board members. They say, nope, Durham's offered this, but the union won't even give it to its members. I'm like, huh, ain't that something? It's like, here we go again. You know, it's like literally the opposite sides of the story. Um, I know they offered some kind of pay raise, something, you know, with whatever uh, Durham did to the union who said no. Just, my point, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you what the answer is because I don't know, Mike. I'm telling you that this is the stories that I'm getting. And the bus drivers are talking about the conditions and the buses. So I don't know the whole story and I don't know what the truth is on this one yet, other than I'm trying to ask the people that are kind of more directly involved with it. And and it is literally one side saying the other side is wrong. Um, and so it's kind of fascinating. One very interesting piece that I'm trying to get a little more on, which would be harder to find, was that a comment was made that Durham is an open um, company. In other words, not union controlled, not required to be a union. And Teamsters, of course, some of these really big unions can be really thuggish in how they, you know, I've dealt with that myself before. And, you know, AFL-CIO, IBEW and others, you know, and, and dealings with them. And like I said, they can be, you know, downright mafia-like at times and their desire to control everything and have all the power. And apparently they want to break Durham um, because it is an open, you know, a company, not a closed one. So that would be fascinating if that was at least even partially true, that they're on a, a nationwide push to bring Durham down so that Teamsters can control all the stuff with it. So that's, again... Not saying anything about what is right or wrong of this one, Mike. I'm saying this is what I'm hearing. These different right, right. pieces to the puzzle. Um, so I I don't know. And I don't know what the legislature can or even should do on this one. Because this is really, you know, we provide funding, statutory changes, school districts negotiate and do their thing. So it really is over to them, you know, the school district, the boards, the Durham, the, the union, the union members, and see how this goes. So um, it is... <laughs> frustrating because personally mike is affecting us michelle i'd like her to have her down here but she's having to stay home a lot and take the grandkids around because her daughter single mom two young kids they're having to we're having to bus drivers too i was listening about the gas cars and whatnot so it's directly affecting our family um because you know here we are and uh having to pick up kids and drop you know grandkids and drop them off so i totally get it um i'd like to see a solution as well i'm just mentioning it because there's a lot going on i'm trying to get data too not really sure what the legislature can or even should do. So I'm just going right. to move on to that one for the moment. Talked about education and BSA funding. We're doing a lot of work on that one right now and public testimony and things. And it's kind of fascinating because this, I watched them come in, Mike, at the beginning of the session. It was like, you know, the Senate Education Committee said, we're going to increase the BSA and off we go. Then all of a sudden, Hughes and I are testifying and other people are jumping in. And now the data is coming in. The House is having its say. The governor's, you know, making some comments. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, we're going to delay that for a few weeks and um, we're going to take a look at some other options and some accountability. Might funny how that works. You don't just get to come in. And the biggest argument, you know, one of them, Mike, is that I go for $260 million, over a quarter of a billion dollars, you know, to increase the BSA, to put it the better part of a billion and a half of a year, right? And the most expensive state agent that we have by far. And yet that system that's given teachers only about a 4% pay raise over the last 20 years and gobbled up the money. And most of it has gone not to instruction, but to support services, et cetera. Administrative costs, right? Yeah. Another quarter of billion at that with no accountability, no idea how we're going to get the metrics of student performance or right. guarantee that it's going to go to the teachers in the classroom and the kids. No, I'm not going to vote for that. So those are the things we're working on. Two more things and I'll, we can jump back. 
uh, I want to mention this to folks, if they could, Senate Bill 31, which is my old Senate Bill 14 in the last two years, it's now Senate Bill 31, is up for its first hearing tomorrow in Senate State Affairs at 3.30, somewhere between 3.30 and 5 p.m. tomorrow afternoon, Thursday. And what is and that? that is, what is the content that is of that? Yeah. Bill, the judicial selection bill, how we choose our judges to start trying to put the people's input back into the process. Um, and I'll go through that, but it would be great if people would call in tomorrow and uh, give their public testimony. They'll have a couple minutes and explain why they believe the Alaska um, judiciary is out of touch with the people and um, it is not the best way to do business. Most states have gone away from the old Missouri plan. You know, we were part of the Missouri plan of the merit plan for choosing judges. And I'll, you know, I'll brief that tomorrow in the sponsor statement, but I could use some folks that would help. That is a big deal, folks. That is a long-term significant seascape change for the uh, state of Alaska that needs to happen. And the last thing we jump into it is just so you know, <laughs> looks like I'm going to be the fourth conservative Republican <clears throat> because they only sue conservative Republicans, not Democrats, not liberals and not moderate Republicans to be sued. I've been told that I will be sued this Friday for um, my social media, for blocking people that, you know, cross the line, harass, use foul language, you know, do all the stuff that, they say, I can say whatever I want. Actually, you can't. The courts have said that there's certain speech is not protected. But I've been told I'm going to be sued on Friday. So I'll be the next one um, to go through this again. And I know Kevin McCabe, I think, is something over 50000 out of pocket. So I will likely um, end up applying to legislative policy where we either shut the page down or it goes to no comments and just an information-only page. We're going to have to do something, Mike, because I can't afford... And this is the whole point, right? The Northern Justice Project, it's its a terrorist organization. <laughs> Let's be downright honest, Mike. It's part of the Southern Poverty Law Center, which was designated before as, as a domestic terrorist organization, weaponizing the, uh, you know, the judiciary against conservative Republicans. The Northern Justice Project is the one that's doing it now, pro bono, helping all these left-wing folks, you know, um, sue conservative legislators to shut them up, to silence them, to bankrupt them, make it so people don't want to fight. And by the way, it's a 501c3. Word on the street is there may be a class action lawsuit against that uh, Northern Justice Project because they're weaponizing it and they can't do that as a 501c3. So we'll right. see where this goes. But I'm probably going to have to make some changes uh, on my Facebook page. So I just wanted to tell people that they're going to see some differences most likely. And I may have to shut it down, but it's the reality of it, folks. They've weaponized the judiciary and I can't stand to pay 50 or $70,000 out of pocket to defend myself. And the legislature, ledge council, and its infinite wisdom said, well, you know, it's only Republican conservatives being sued, so we're not going to do anything. <laughs> so we're going to get no help from the state. We're left out on our own um, if we want to, um, you know, communicate with our constituents via social media and other stuff. And we're just hanging and we're we're vulnerable and, and we're getting hammered. And that's the reality of it. So I thought I'd just throw it. There's, there's my update for you. Little bit of little bit of lawfare going on there. That's the warfare via the law. That's what they're we see that uh, uh, at many, many levels. Uh, here recently, it's, <clears throat> I mean, it all started out in my opinion with the whole Sarah Palin thing, uh, and the, uh, and the ethics complaints that were the continual every two weeks, a new ethics complaint got dropped. They were in the hole for over a hundred thousand bucks by the time that was over. So definitely, uh, definitely problematic. All right. We got to, uh, we got to go. Mike shower is our guest. And uh, we're going to continue with one more segment with him. We've got a couple questions for the chat room that we'll come in and talk about. And then when we return, uh, we'll let him have his free reign as well. Common sense, liberty-based, <clears throat> free-thinking radio. It is The Michael Duke Show. Back with more and Mike Shower right after this.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Yeah, way too much fun. Um, all right, Mike Shower, our guest. I mean, I thought you had, I thought you had uh, nipped that thing in the bud by just posting basically rules that said to apply and use this page, you have to have some common civility and a few other things, and uh, you know. But apparently, that's not enough, or that's going to be the argument, or what? I did do that, Mike. I posted it, but it's a, it's irrelevant because. Um... If you get certain people on the left, they're just going to come and say, well, but you violated my rights by, you know, blocking me. It doesn't matter that they harassed you. It doesn't matter that they use foul language. It doesn't matter that they made false libelous claims against you. It doesn't. None of these things matter. It only matters because here's what I want you to think about. Right. The Northern Justice Project and the other people on the left funding the judiciary as a weapon against conservatives. They don't care if they win the court case or not, Mike. They want to break people, right? They want to break you financially. They want to make people afraid to run. I can't afford to do that. That's their goal. This Northern Justice Project is doing this pro bono. This is a group of far left lawyers that are doing this out of their pocket, finding some patsy that will be a a useful tool for them to file a lawsuit against conservatives, Republicans, et cetera, et cetera, and shut us up or um, defame us or make it so that we can't afford to run or won't run. And that's the goal. So it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. That's irrelevant in the court of law, Mike. It's what they're trying to do is just break you. And so that's exactly what they're doing. They're modifying behavior. But I look at it and go, I don't I can't afford to do this. Right. I mean right. that's the point is right. I can't afford to defend myself with Yeah. So it's not so much about winning. It's about basically bankrupting you and trying to defend yourself. That's the point. They don't care if they win or not. And of course there's no what you can't get you can't get court costs back or you may get court costs back but nobody you knows may but everything's a you know so I look at it again and Mike I have to take care of my family right I mean my number one responsibility personally as a man is to you know husband a father is to take care of my wife my kids my grandkids do my best for my family and this job is already a sacrifice you know and I know some people get mad at us all the time because you didn't do X Y Z but we are I'm giving up a ton of time away from my family. My home, my kids and grandkids are giving up a ton of income. It is what it is. I, I, I agree to do it. So I'm not complaining. But I'm saying, but that's just the reality of the cost of it, right? Now you want to add to the cost that I got to pay $25,000, dollars $100,000 out of pocket, taken away from my family, just to defend myself for doing the job. And the state and the alleged council and their infinite wisdom decide you're not going to help at all. They're not going to defend us while we're doing duties in pursuance of that job. Right. And constituents just decide with some left wing law group from the lower 48, they're going to sue us and shut us up. That's the point, Mike. It gets to where you go, well, how can I afford to do this? Because I'm not going to take that in the shorts and bankrupt my family because of some left wing group and left wing trolls on Facebook or, you know, Instagram or whatever. So it makes it so um, they're able to modify behavior. We don't have any. Tell me the group on the right. What group, what group pro bono of lawyers on the right is going to step in and defend us? And I, I know Kevin has tried to get like, I've suggested like ACLJ and others. They're not taking these things. They're not doing it. They're busy fighting national level things. And I get it. And I, I applaud what they're doing. But there's no group going around of conservative um, lawyers on the right that are defending legislators getting hammered. So I, you know, we're left to hang. We're just left hanging, Mike. And there's no yeah. there's no great answer to this one. And I, I cannot afford personally, financially, with no resources to defend myself against another frivolous lawsuit because somebody wants to spew their poison 
you know, on your Facebook page or your Instagram page or your Twitter page, and you have no real recourse. You just don't. Yeah. Well, maybe we should come together and create a defense fund for any legislator that, uh, you know, regardless of political persuasion that uh, is uh, is hit by something like some of these spurious claims uh, on this kind of stuff. Maybe that's what we need. Um, uh, McCabe has a give, send, go account going on. Um, Maybe we need to do a a fundraiser, uh, GoFundMe or something for Mike as well. To help offset. No, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, you know, if I if I you know change you know follow policy and all that stuff, you know, and uh, unblock and follow policy, which is ledge council gave us three different options, then I don't see that a judge would would look at it because I'm going to end up you know doing basically what the guidance is, and so be it. Because it is new guidance, and I'm trying to work my way through it. I'm not trying to delay it. I'm just trying to figure out if I've got it right and how we're going to you know do that and execute that policy. And I don't see why a judge would, you know, accept a case at that point because it's going to be, well, he's done what you asked, right? So I'm going to have to do that to not have to pay buku dollars out of pocket. Um, but uh, like I said, it is modifying behavior. They're getting their way because, uh, I, you know, pe- you say this on the radio, go, oh, we'll get a GoFundMe account and they have 500 bucks in it. <laughs> people don't have, and I'm not blaming people, they don't have the money to go dump you know, 50 or $100,000 and something. We just don't have that kind of resource, Mike. Right. You're fighting these kind of lower 48 interests that have hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of backing behind them in the aggregate, right? You just, you know, the little people, that's us. We don't have those kind of funds. So it's just not a realistic option unless the state is going to step in and defend us. And the state, the legislature, the ledge council, the, the moderates and leftists that are in the, the ledge council aren't going to do that until one of them gets hit. That's the bottom line. All right. Uh, Mike Schauer, our guest, the Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Here we go. Public anima number one. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, <laughs> enemy yeah, right. public enemy. Number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Yeah, a little bit of a pain in the whatever, the Michael Duke show. Common Sense Radio. Uh, we're continuing now. We've got uh, State Senator Mike Schauer, our guest for the remainder of the show. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, chatting with him here. He's getting a cup of coffee. Uh, we're looking forward to chatting with him here and getting things squared away here in just a second. Um, meanwhile, don't forget coming up on Friday, we looks like we may have Dr. John Lott on the program on Friday to uh, talk with us and, uh, go over some things. So looking forward to uh, seeing that. Um, and we're going to talk, uh, potentially with him again for Friday for firearms Friday. All right. Um, let's, uh, finish things up here. Mike showers, our guest, uh, we're going to give him some free reign. Although if there have been a couple questions in the chat room, uh, in regards to the governor's carbon credit program. What is your thoughts on what the governor has proposed, uh, which many of us have kind of looked at like mm, pie in the sky, um, you know, kind of ideals. But what is your thoughts on the governor's new revenue scheme uh, to generate revenue through uh, both uh, carbon capture and carbon tax credits with the forestry tax credits, et cetera? What are your thoughts on that? Oops, I'm sorry, Mike. Let me. Well, that's okay. Let um, me let me actually unmute you, and then you can say blah, what you're... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can't hear me when I'm doing this. Go ahead. How about now, talk talk. Can you talk, hear me talk. now? Now you can, can you talk. hear me now. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, one of you like, well, yeah, the reason, you know, there's been a couple people I think were blocked over the years, but you know, uh, when one person is saying, you know, well, if I was blocked, where's my check? I have to laugh because you know, that person's a bigger man than the one I'm dealing with that's actually gonna file the lawsuit because that person has thick skin and can deal with it, but not everybody can, obviously. So um, for what it's worth. Um, and I'm just going to follow the policy and be done with it. So unfortunately, it's going to, you know, turn off comments and it's going to take a public square away where people can talk. And so I get it, but whatever. That, that's been done over the last couple of years. I'm just done dealing with it. It's just almost not worth it. Uh, regarding carbon credits and ESG, I'll tell you, Mike, I'm pretty resistant to it on the surface. Maybe the 60,000 foot view on down. Um, I'm not a fan of ESG. I know some of it's already coming. I got it. I've heard the arguments. It's coming no matter what. We're going to have to deal with it. That may be true. I don't like where ESG takes us. Um, basically, it's going to end up putting a very, you know, not that we're not already under kind of an oligarchy, you know, if you will, with a very small group of people at the top that have money and power ruling over us. And it's getting worse on a worldwide scale with the consolidation of power. But ESG is just one more tool in the hands of those folks that would tell us exactly what we can do. Financiers, bankers, government officials and others to say you can invest here. You can do this. You can't do that. I mean, in China, it's, it's pervasive right now when you're walking around with, with social scoring. They're shunning people, shutting them down. Um, and because this whole package is really tied into the whole ESG Ponzi scheme, I don't know what else to call it. Um, you know, like the old carbon credits, which you're really paying for nothing. Um, on the surface right now, Mike, I'm very reticent to support this and get behind it. You know, there may be some things that happen, you know, um, I'm, I'm just trying to wave my way through if there's options and things that happen. But, you know, on the surface, ESG, carbon credits, carbon sequestration, I'm not comfortable with this and where this goes. And so some things are already happening and had a conversation with the um, business uh, owner that's been in the state for many generations uh, last week without using names. And they're already doing some of this, but they're doing it voluntarily. You know, and if companies want to reclaim the land and do other things, I have no problem with them doing whatever they want to do, you know, voluntarily. I have a problem demanding that they do things if they're doing it right. You know, if they're following the law and doing it right, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, Mike, they're, they want to shut down certain industries, right? They want to push us to green energy that we're not ready for and, and the technology is not there and it's prohibitively expensive. Talk about like going to, had a conversation with a legislator yesterday about, well, want to go to green energy. I'm like, well, how are you going to get there? You know, oil and gas may be the gap, right? Because that's the new thing from like, you know, Mary Potola and right. Biden and others. You know, the Alaska is just gap oil. Gap oil for what? The next 50 years until we get there and figure out, you know, how we're going to, you know, make this work. The transmission lines between South Central and the North don't even work to Fairbanks. We need over a billion dollars of upgrade at least. And of course, you know, double that anytime you talk any government contract to make the, the power lines work. You go solar and wind. Well, you better figure out where you're going to get all the battery backup because you have to be able to store the power for the times when you need it. And it's not being produced at all times because it's not very efficient. Right. My point in, in, is saying that, you know, coal, gas, nuclear, et cetera, we're not getting rid of those anytime soon unless somebody tomorrow comes up with zero point energy or something and, you know, nuclear cold fusion. Right. And we're not there. And it is all going to take time and money. I was reading on Governor Newsom's little policy down there in California last week. I had a couple articles on it and they were talking about how much it's going to cost. So holy mackerel. Three, just basically like a trillion something dollars. I mean, if it's all really just California alone. The, the electrical transmission lines that have to be upgraded and installed, the battery backup banks across the state and electrifying everything. I think the one guy said based on their current rate of 
financing and environmental regulations and approval for projects was going to take 287 years. <laughs> yeah. And a trillion and a trillion there. and a trillion dollars, right? Yeah, you're not going to get there in the current numbers. These are pie in the sky dreams, Mike. We have to stop doing this stuff. I'm all about moving forward as the technology is ready and the market demands it. It's like, you know, when they were pushing electric cars, Obama was. I'm like, no, people aren't ready to buy them. Don't subsidize them with our tax dollars to subsidize an industry and then watch it collapse. When the people want it, when things like Tesla's coming along and the cars are cool and people, then they'll buy it. Right. Don't force it. Let the market do its thing. Let the free market capitalism work like it was intended. Just like we talked about yesterday with the lobbyist group coming through on medical um, uh, competition, you know, about uh, the cost of things. They go, well, how about we take away some of the patents of the big pharma companies and others and let them compete the prices? Because then you go, I'll sell you that cancer drug for $50,000 a shot. Somebody else comes in and I come in and go, well, you know what? I can give it for 30000 and then another company comes in, Harold comes in and goes, I'll give it to you for 20000 Well, Mike, that's how competition works. Right. You're still making a ton of money, and they undercut each other, and then the consumer wins. But anyways, there's just stuff like that that's like monopolies and forcing technologies that aren't ready yet and spending tons of money for people's pie-in-the-sky dreams. A lot of this is still about, I think, destroying the West. If you really look at where a lot of this came from, the very woke left, China and others, you know, the old Soviet Union, Russia, ESG, it hurts the West. It doesn't hurt them. It's, China and India aren't even going to play ball. So, so what's the point? For folks who don't know what ESG is, it's environmental, it's environmental, social, and governance. It is the rules that uh, they're trying to get businesses to play by that, so that, that basically means you're more socially acceptable and inclusive and diverse in your workforce. And uh, uh, it, of course, again, being supported by someplace like China is almost laughable considering they're one of the number one polluters in, in the, in the world. But I mean, you know, Hey, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's all good. It's all about equity and diversity at every level, but it's more about equity of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, outcomes instead of, you know, equity and opportunity kind of thing. Like this is wealth redistribution. This is going to bring the West down to its knees. It's to destroy capitalism for the utopian socialist paradise that's never going to be achievable because it's not real. It's it's you know it's a mirage on the horizon. You can never get to the the lake of water over the desert. Um, unfortunately, I just I'm concerned that the state, a lot of legislators and, and others are jumping onto this bandwagon and where this goes. So I'm not a fan. Um, I'm going to do my best to work within what we have here structure wise to see what happens, but um, I am concerned that so many people seem to be going down this path pretty quickly. And I think long-term for short-term gain is not the best answer. And we may get money in the short-term. My concern is what this does to us long-term. And then they come back and once we've kind of jumped in this Ponzi scheme, all of a sudden they go, and by the way, we're not going to loan you money anymore to drill those other wells, you know, for NPR going West, et cetera. And, and then they start shutting us down because we're a resource state. Nope, you can't uh, have a loan to build that road to that mining district like West Susitna and open up, you know, logging and other. Nope, can't do that. Nope. So do we just have no control? I mean, the feds already own almost two thirds of our land and won't give it back. You know, so the states, there are issues with this, Mike, and things we need to be thinking long term about. And that concerns me because I don't think we're thinking long term. I think it's more short term. How do we solve our budget problems? And we could start with a fiscal plan. Gee, we might have one of those on the deck somewhere we could go yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, showing people that we would be stable, but that's a for another 
that's for another show. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Again, in this kind of pie in the sky, the outlook from the governor was kind of a pie in the sky. Look, we're going to generate all this money. Uh, and then later on, the outlook was like, oh, it's not going to be $600 billion. It'll just be, you know, a few million to begin with and blah, blah. I mean, again, we can't bet on the if come. And that seems... Oops, that seems to be that seems to be more and more what we're doing is betting on the if come uh, in this state. And that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, final thoughts, Mike Shower, Lesson 60, go. Lesson 60. Well, um, I see lots of good comments today from all you guys, Harold and Christine, Willie, et cetera. And Willie, I hope he's right that RCD is, uh, is going to be defeated. I do think Mike will talk more, but I'm hearing about a court case. I won't don't have enough time to talk today. This might be defeated and called unconstitutional in a uh, district. Uh, circuit court at the federal level. So we might, you know, they might do our work for us. I'll throw out two more things we're working on as well. And then we'll kind of call it quits from there just for the time. But um, there is an idea about tracking attendance. I'm going to see if we can get that inserted. I got that from a school superintendent, how we can track daily attendance. We know that's one of the issues of how they maneuver the money. Uh, and folks, to we're, we're out of time for today. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Seconds. Sorry, dude. It was 60 seconds, and you're like, okay, I got oh, three wait. more. Th- I got three more things to say. Oh my god, gonna get you a. I'm gonna get you an egg timer. You can put in front of you. That's 90 seconds. That's gonna be the last of it. I'm sorry. Well, continue here. I mean, I have that. Uh, yeah, so. continue on. Continue on. What? Uh, so. No, the- um, no, I was just saying. There's a. There's some options to track attendance, like some other states do, and it would give us real time data. I think it'd be a more fair way um, to look at, you know, the numbers across the state and what schools do what we really have to think about this bsa i'm going to put that out in the facebook live soon i'm going to sit with that superintendent who's going to go through the numbers for me and when you got a school like gnome and this is just one example just you just pick that example that has 665 actual students but when you apply the formula they're being paid as if they have 1760 students we got a problem houston right or houston we have a problem if i say it correctly um, because of how it's distributed and all that kind of stuff. And we just need to be looking at that. And we are, like I said, other states and talking to them. And then uh, there's some things in the budget process, Mike, we really need to be looking at in addition to the other things with you know how we budget and spending caps and other things to try to get things on a level playing field and, and some stability to the state long-term for investment is how we budget. Because Mark, we don't know what's left in these different you know um, agencies and how much money they have and how this works. And we have got to change how we do business and budget from the from day one of the process. Right. I can never get a solid answer on it. So we're going to have to change the way we do some business things here, like some other states. Again, I hate to keep saying it, but you know, a lot of them are doing business much better than us, and a lot of them are booming. That's They're number booming economically, and we're not. That's and number so four. That's number four on the charter of changes is change the funding, change the way we do the budgets, change the way that that is factored. And you know, just because you pointed out the little tiny community. Uh, that had, you know, with their base student allocation, I don't know if anybody has actually gone out and I'll give props to Jeff Landfield. He and I normally don't see eye to eye, but he had an incredible piece that came out here. Um, I don't know, but 10 days ago or so talking about the BSA and breaking it down. And he makes the same point you did, but instead he uses the Anchorage school district. The Anchorage school district has an average daily student attendance of 40,944, essentially 41,000 students. Yet they're getting paid through the BSA as if they had 74,000 students. That's, I mean, that, that that's, 
Wow. We we got to break these formulas open and look at them and say this is just not right. There used to be an addendum in there that said uh, that said seventy. There was a requirement that said seventy percent of the monies needed to go to to actual education uh, in the in the classroom, and that got stripped out. And so now the majority of it's going to overhead and everything else. This I mean this is insane. But I mean we need to talk about that. We need to break down what the BSA actually does because people just don't know. Um, and when you see that you've got, uh, you know, people and, and districts getting paid for, you know, a third to half, maybe even more of what they currently have, it's, uh, it's, it's insane. Yeah, there's, I'm, I'm watching some of the comments, like I said here too, reading along with you, there's some good, there's some really good ideas here and things that I agree with. It's just a matter of overcoming the NEA and the education lobby, which is so strong and kind of the union stranglehold and a lot of the legislative legislators right so that's an issue and i'll go back to the landfill one like i said there it's kind of like uh, bill meyer to me right you know sometimes i disagree with a lot of it but every once in a while he knocks one out of the park and what's really funny for landfill with me he's batting a thousand on being wrong <laughs> regarding me personally right, from the, right. you know, the gloating of i was going to lose the election back in august of primary there's no way he's ever going to climb back well i flipped it like minus seven to plus seven how about how are we doing on that one jeff everybody else lost but me you know for those seats we we're talking about and, you know, it's just it's funny to, to watch him. But, you know, he's got a couple of reporters. They do some really good work, some really good investigative journalism at times, and they print it. And, you know, like the Campbell Lake one we talked about, this BSA one. So, you know, and I posted all those, Mike. I mean, if there's good reporting, I don't care the source it comes from. I'm going to try to yeah. put it out there so people can read it and see it. And sometimes there's some good stuff. I just I'm laughing about him personally with me. He's just wrong. You know, <laughs> I was going to resign at the beginning of the session and this was going to happen and that. I'm like, dude, could you just be more wrong? I mean, keep going because it's kind of yeah. making me laugh. I'm like, totally talk, wrong. But talk, anyway, talk, about, that, yes. talk about yeah. loose unit. I guess Jeff could nominate himself. Yeah, for the I've loose asked unit. him a couple yeah. of times if he would self-identify based on comments he's made about me or, or things going on. And he's never self-identified as loose, loose unit. If he really wants to make me laugh, he'll do that someday just for fun. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Shower, final thoughts let you before i let you go that's all i got man i think we've talked enough everybody's done with our word salad as harold talks about so i'm good for the day sorry i'm not going to make it next week i got some stuff going on um but i'll be back the week after that and we'll try to stay up on what's happening and keep you guys informed do our best all right well i guess you guys down in juno could stop transcribing because we're done for the day thank you my friend i appreciate you coming on board uh we look forward to talking to you again soon uh Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll talk to you in a couple, okay? All right, you guys. Take care. See ya. Folks, we're out of time. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues tomorrow. We appreciate all you being part of it. Don't forget, you can support the show by going over to the Common Sense Core. Becoming a member there for the cost of a cup of coffee a day. We could all be squared away. Go over there and check it out, michaeldukeshow.com. Click on Join the Core or go to patreon.com slash michaeldukeshow. That's it for today, my friends. We will see you tomorrow. Enjoy yourself. Be kind. Love one another. Live well.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 